We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Dawn Harper-Nelson is another extraordinary athlete produced by East St. Louis. Everyone knows Jackie Joyner-Kersey's story, Olympian, champion. 100-meter hurdler Harper-Nelson has the same kind of credentials, Olympic gold medalist in 2008, silver medalist four years later. She has a drawer full of medals for various Illinois state titles. In recent years, she has been living in Los Angeles, but now she has retired and has just returned to her Metro East roots. She's already busy here, preparing to participate in the AHA Women's Speaker Series this week. I sat down with her a few days ago and welcomed her home and asked how she is readjusting to the Metro East after L.A. I'm doing well. Um, I've always loved home, came home all the time when I was running professionally. Right now, I'm actually just trying to be lazy. I'm trying to kind of do nothing for a while. It's only been a week and a half, but um, I'm enjoying laying in my bed and on my couch. <laughs> when you're not doing nothing these days, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm still do- I do speaking engagements a lot. Um, I travel. I speak to the youth. Um, I actually have an event coming up, a red carpet event in Monaco. So I'll still be doing a lot of traveling. Um, mm. And then me and my husband, you know, we want to start our family. So hopefully I'll be very busy with a lot of little bit. Well, you will be busy <laughs> regardless of how many you have. That's no question about that. What was life like growing up uh, in East St. Louis for you? Oh, life for me was, I was very blessed. Um, I think I was, um, from what I hear when I got older, you know, just about the hard times going on, I feel like I was very sheltered from that. Um, I had a lot of positive role models um, when I joined track and field at the age of 12. That just took over my whole life. And so for me, that was weekdays, weekends. I mean, any free time that I had, that's what I was doing. And so um, East St. Louis to me is just where I call home, and it's just nothing but positivity and love that pours from there. You know, you bring up something that's very important, I think, for young people, and that is to have something to do and someplace Mm -hmm. to go. Absolutely. And that's also, I mean, to me, that makes me think of, I remember when Jackie Joyner opened her center, and I remember I worked there uh, before I went off to college and just saw, you know, how it just affected the community. And so that's so great she has there. But sports for me was it. And Jackie Joyner then, now Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Yeah. Uh, must have been a terrific influence on you. Absolutely. Uh, she would come out. You know, you hear about Jackie Joyner-Kersey as a young child and running track. Of course, you're going to hear about it mm. even more. And then I remember she came to the track one day. We were having track practice, and she watched us practice, and she pulled me aside, and she said, you know, Dawn, I see something special in you. You know, you don't give up. You keep going. And I remember thinking to myself, Wait, wait. Jackie Joyner Kersey just mm. pulled me aside and said she sees something special. That stuck with me to this day. What do you think she saw? Um, I think she saw someone that really had the love for it, but had just scratched the surface of their potential because I was still very early in my um, career then, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to call it a career at the mm-hmm. age of 12, 13. But um, just saw someone that had the passion. But, you know, you, you also can look at these young athletes and you can see the build, you know, um, the legs, the arms, the shape, you know, mm-hmm. and knowing they're not even in the weight room yet. And you're like, they look kind of mm-hmm. strong and flexible and things like mm-hmm. that and powerful. So she, I think she saw a little bit of that. When did you know? that you had what it would take to win a gold medal and other things? Uh, For me, that moment was my ninth grade year um, at the state meet, the Illinois state meet, uh, track meet. And I remember going into the 100-meter hurdles into the finals, and I was going against a senior, and she had won state the year before. And it was between me and her, who was it going to be? I hadn't really been beat all year. Mm. Um, 
and I won that race and broke the state record in my freshman year. Um, and that was the first race to say, like, what are you made of? You're really against the best in the state of Illinois. And to do that, uh, knowing that I felt kind of the pressure that I had, that I really just put on myself, um, I said, I, I think me and this thing called track are going to have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the dream like at that time? Did you dare to dream of uh, of running around the world and, and winning the kinds of uh, prizes that you won? You know, you did, but honestly, you didn't truly understand yeah. what you're really saying you want to do. You know, you're like, I want to go to the Olympics one day, you know, and you do your research and you just see that you run in front of all these people, but to really know the history and the background, you know, of the runners that have gone there to actually get a medal, um, you know, how much they dedicated their lives to it. And just along the way, you know, I realized that. But as a young kid, I knew that um, I did want to step outside of East St. Louis and see what I was made of and compare myself to the rest of the world, you know. Well, and, and you saw that in yourself. You I saw did. that you could pull this off. I, re- I really did. Um, I knew that I had a good base and foundation from my parents to go out there and, you know, just believe in myself and just say, you know, succeed or fail, we're going to try. Well, the high point, I guess, I don't want to speak for <laughs> you, but I guess the high point was winning winning the gold medal at the, uh, at the Olympics in Beijing. Definitely right? one of my high points. And it was, uh, you know, like I said, obviously the initial high point because at the time I was working three jobs, did not have a contract mm-hmm. from Nike, um, and actually ended up running in the Olympics in one of my teammates' pairs of spikes. And so for me, crossing that line and getting gold, that's when you realize in that moment that, all of the sacrifices that I've made, living away from family, working the three jobs, crying at night, like, Lord, I hope this works. Mm. You know, it all paid off. So a lifetime of work to get to this point. Let's, let's hear how long it took to actually <laughs> win the medal. <laughs> Sounds good. And it's a fair start. Here's the first hurdle. And Lolo Jones and Sally McClellan are there together. Here comes Dawn Harper to join them. Lolo Jones has the lead, but she hit the hurdle. She hit hurdle number nine, the next to last hurdle. Lolo Jones hit the hurdle, and Dawn Harper wins it. Wow. Yeah. What, what sort of feelings do you have when you listen to that? Uh, you can just see the race. I see the race step for step. Um, I think of... Just in that moment, I remember realizing, like, you're not winning. You have to get in front. You're not winning. You know, your dream is on the line. And you realize you only have 12 seconds to either make this dream come true where you literally make it happen, you know, or things have gone terribly wrong and you're just kind of sitting around like, oh, my goodness, I have four more years to try again. Uh, did, did you realize that there had, one, the, uh, one of your competitors had hit, the, uh, hit one of the hurdles? No, I didn't. My coach, his <clears> thing <throat> was, I need you to run like a horse with blinders on mm-hmm. because you need to run your race. So many things can happen with the hurdles. There's 10 obstacles that we have to overcome. And, at, I mean, literally one through 10, it can be so many different leads in the race. And so he said, I need you to focus on you. And so when I crossed the line, I didn't know. And I remember hearing um, Sally from Lane 1 scream, and I thought I got silver. And I was like, silver is so good. Mm. And then I heard Priscilla from Canada scream, bronze is so good. And then my teammate came over and said, no, you won. And I was like, wait, me? And so then you just go crazy. What is the exhilaration? Yeah, you go crazy. <laughs> what is that exhilaration like? Can you describe exactly how your body felt when right, you learned that? Right, right. Uh, well, you, it's literally, it's, you go through ups and downs because you have that moment of just pure disbelief. And you're like, you're literally like, okay, wait, you said my name, but I'm Dawn. Are you talking to me? <laughs> and so then obviously you realize it. And then just the tears come and the tears of just, oh, my goodness, my family. I got to show them what all my hard work was about. My friends, East St. Louis, the world got to see that I believed and I actually had the talent to be number one. And then you just want to scream and go crazy. And you're almost like everyone get out of the way. 
I'm going to run again. And you don't know where you're going. Yeah. And so it is just so fun. Compare that to the feeling of uh, when, when you don't win. The feeling of when you don't win, it is the one thing that's in common is the disbelief. Mm-hmm. Um, and You expect it, to win. Oh, you, I mean, you, especially when you get to a certain part of your career, you, you definitely train for the execution. You train to do right. But then when it doesn't happen because – and the thing is it happens in the blink of an eye. Just like you feel like you win in the blink of an eye, it literally – it tragically mm-hmm. goes wrong in the blink of an eye. And you find yourself just trying to replay what happened. And you can't quite picture it. You know, okay, the fifth hurdle is where it went wrong. But what happened at hurdle four? Why did it go wrong? Mm-hmm. And you just find yourself just wanting a moment to just sit there, but you can't because now either the reporters and everyone has questions for you and they want answers and you're like, I want answers. Mm-hmm. And so that's just the other side of it. <laughs> do you ever use video as many athletes do to uh, to check their performance and see what changes might be made? Oh, yeah, absolutely. At practice, we do many times, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to do the fine details because it's, sometimes it can be really hard to catch with the naked eye. Like you said, my race is 12 seconds. And mm-hmm. so to say over that hurdle, this went wrong, it's kind of like, oh, your trail foot was down just a tad. You need to bring it up, you know, not even an inch. And you're like, oh, okay, I got it. And mm-hmm. then you have to make that correction by the next hurdle. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> th- th- some of those corrections must be so subtle that it, they, they're more difficult to make when they're subtle than when they're major. It's, it, that is exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. It's, and when you first starting out in the hurdles, you know, your arms are all over the place, legs, and your coach is like, bring your arms down. You can see exactly what he's talking about. But once you get to the point when you're running against someone that has the same personal best as you and you're trying to beat them, it's going to, you can win or lose a race by point zero zero one. Mm-hmm. And so what changes do you make? And you have to try and make that change 10 times over the hurdles and be perfect or just better than the other eight ladies. Where is that gold medal now? Where do you have it in your home? Oh, my goodness. I have it. um, I just unpacked my things from L.A., and so it's still in the bag, but it's beside my bed. Um, (laughs) But it comes out so much, so I refuse to lock it away just yet because I I love to come out and just bring it out and let people see it, take pictures with it, wear it. I'm like, I wore it. I want it for us all, so. Yeah. Well, I, I I was betting that you would take it out from time to time. Yeah. Just just say hello. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right. Let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about uh, women overall in sports today. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that come, came to mind when I knew I'd be talking to you was the episode with Serena Williams recently. I'm sure you've been asked, uh-huh. asked about that. Yeah. What do you make of that? She She is claiming sexism on the basis of that call that was made during the U.S. Open. Uh, a lot of people think that she's correct in mm-hmm. making that assessment. What do you think? Oh, man, I think that's a really tough decision for both sides because you have her that's the athlete and we see we know what we're working for. We know that I have my integrity intact. I'm not going to, you know, like she said, I would rather lose than cheat and win. That's just not how, especially I say the great athletes are built. And so for her, her mind is like it would never go there. The official he felt like he saw one thing. He wants to stick to it. And, and you find yourself kind of like, where do you go on his side? Because when they make a call, you feel like they need to stick to it. I mean, how do you keep a job if you always go back and forth? But it's one of those. It's it's hard because he doesn't know the integrity of each athlete out there. Um, but then for her, she's like, I know myself and I would never, ever, ever do this. And so I love that because she knows herself and says, I would never cheat. She's standing for what she believes in because it almost seems like if she would have just said her piece there and left it alone, then it would have been like, oh, she was trying to cheat. And she's like, I need you to understand that's not who I am and I won't stand for it. The, the rap is that if that had been a man, mm-hmm. uh, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, but you know what they did do? I saw a lot of videos where they were showing where men have been 
lot more um, interesting in the wording that they choose. Let's say John McEnroe from your neck of the woods. Right, you know, using a lot, you know, more colorful words, you know, towards the officials, and they didn't get such calls, and they didn't get, you know what I mean, the fines that they did. And so how can you say that she's wrong? How can you say she's going too far and saying it's sexism? You know, I I, I don't think she is because point blank. You you show a video side by side. What can be done about that, do you think? Um, I think that one thing that can be done is the the thought of we need to be, you know, ladylike when we're out there needs to go out the window. I'm an athlete right now. Mm-hmm. I am not worried about your feelings. What I want to do is I'm going to do it the right way, as in we're not going to cheat. But if I'm going to grimace and I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. scream and have these grunts and, you know what I mean, look stronger than my opponent mm-hmm. – I should not be judged for these things. And so I think that this stigma of, you know, we should look a certain way and carry ourselves. No, I'm an athlete, and I'm out here to actually kill this game, you know? So to, to, uh, Not to uh, try a pun, but you want the level playing field, the fairness between men and women if, in, in all aspects. That's, that's all we're saying. If we get that, you will see that. I think the game will just elevate even more. Yeah. How about in the uh, in the terms of pay, pay equity? <laughs> Female athletes, I mean, I look at some of the basketball players, from the women's basketball players, and other athletes, golfers, not even close. It's just not even close. And you see that we are making strides to getting closer, but you find yourself like, okay, when, when's the date, though? Like, can you, give, can you sign a piece of paper to say this is the date that we're just going to stop this and say, okay, the women are out here killing it just like the men. People are showing up to see the women just like they are to see the mm-hmm. men. So, I, you know, the difference in that. And I understand when, you know, that the organization isn't necessarily making as much as, you know, like the WA maybe isn't making at like dollar for dollar. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, you're making more than what you're paying, you know, the women. And so that needs to change. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see about that. I know. We've been talking like this for a long, I, long a time. a very long time. And it's a little better. It's a little mm-hmm. better, but it's not even, yeah. not even close anymore. Another area I'd, I'd like to talk to you about is Athletes and protest. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go back to taking a knee and a number of things that have happened before that and since. Mm-hmm. Is that the proper role for an athlete? Um, I think I would have to say it is because I am still human. I still believe in certain things. I when I put on this uniform to play, I don't think that I necessarily put aside everything that I've that I believed right before I put on the uniform. And if there's just a moment that I could express myself and I'm not harming anyone, I'm not taking away from the game itself. <clears throat> and when the either whistle blows, gun goes off in my race, I'm giving you everything that I have. I don't think that you should penalize me or say that, uh, keep your mouth shut. You're not human right now. You don't have any voice. And it's like, but I do. Yeah, I do. Do you think Colin Kaepernick got a raw deal? I would have to say, yeah. Uh, You know, you can find yourself sometimes like, oh, I don't know. Should I say yes or no? Yeah, because I think that he really was just saying, I think this is unfair. I just think that because you didn't like the way that he said it, I don't think that he should have been, you know, held out as long as he did. He just said, I don't like what's Mm -hmm. going on, guys. Hey, can we just all can we just look at the subject? I feel like that's all. Can we just look at the subject and then. You know. A lot of people thought that he was unpatriotic by doing mm-hmm. that, but that's that's not what he was protesting. See, that's, that's all I'm saying. It's not what he was protesting. And then what also is confusing is, but you will have vets that say, we didn't feel offended by that. You have some that maybe say they were and some that say they weren't. Mm-hmm. And so right there should tell you, you can't 
tell everyone you should be offended when there are some that says I wasn't offended because I understood he was not saying I don't like the flag. Yeah. You know, I don't like what it stands for. Yeah. Well, that has yet to be played I out know. as well. It's like everything. <laughs> there's, there's no there's no bottom line. There's yes. no end line ever, it seems. Yes. Now you're making your living and spending your time by uh, speaking, as you yes. say, public speaking. You're doing messages of inspiration. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you say to inspire and whom are you trying to inspire? Older people, younger people, everybody? I can honestly say if you want to listen, I have something I want to say to you Mm -hmm. because I've realized over time and I'm loving that this AHA uh, speaker series is giving giving me this opportunity, especially at home, that yes, I competed in sports. Athletics has given me the life that I've afforded to live, but the journey behind it can touch people that have never competed before. The journey behind it is so much about overcoming obstacles, being knocked down and saying, if I stay here, I will never be something, never be all that I've been called to be. Mm -hmm. And it's been so many times where I've been knocked down. I mean, almost like sitting on the ground at track practice, like I, this is it. It's over. Mm -hmm. It's over. And it's like, no, I literally need to put my left foot in front of my right foot and get up and take these baby steps to get closer towards my goal. It's not going to be easy. But if in that moment you look and you say, I believe that my dreams are worth it. I believe that everything that I'm about to face is worth me just me accomplishing my goal and being happy, genuinely happy with myself that I tried, even if you don't always succeed, but I genuinely tried to go after my goal. That's a great message for everybody. That's what I'm saying. But how do you explain that to young people? Probably the most important message they'll ever receive. Yeah. uh, What I love to do is, you know, a lot of times kids will say, oh, I want to be this and I want to be that. One of the biggest things that I say is, have you done your research on what you say you want to be? Because there are a lot of things behind the scenes. It's not just all the glitz and glam. I say, when you see me, I kind of use the, you know, quotation marks. You kind of see the end product, someone that has reached a lot of their goals and traveled the world. But do you know what I've been through? Do you, you say you want to be an Olympic gold medalist, but do you understand all that it takes having to live away from your family, making sacrifices in relationships, living overseas for a month, two months, you know, being away from everyone that you know, a place that doesn't speak your same language, ordering food that you don't really know what you're ordering, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I love to ask them, have you really done your research? Have you talked to someone or tried to reach out to someone really in that field so then you can have a better idea? You still won't have a 100% idea, a better idea of what it takes. And then I'll say, now, you know what I mean? Then start to really think about, is this still what you want to do, you know? That, that takes us back to then Jackie Joyner <laughs> and, and your relationship with her. Um, she saw something in you that mm-hmm. thought was exceptional. But did she have that kind of conversations with you about the kinds of things that you're talking about now? Um, she did. She talked to me about uh, working hard. That mm-hmm. was, you know, a big mm-hmm. thing, you know, for her, that message, because she would go back, come back to the track team a lot, and she would say, you know, if you want, you know, to – succeed in life just whatever you choose you have to work hard and so that was a big thing you know for her and so for me I was blessed that I was coached by the same high school coach that she had and so I got to hear about her stories a lot from mm-hmm. the the man himself Nino Fanoy and so I did my research but it's like no I heard about Jackie she when she faced this she handled it this way and when me and her as in the coach and Jackie faced this they handled it that way and so I really I trusted him and you know, with that. And of course, you have to trust your husband, too. He's your trainer. <laughs> My husband, yeah. yes. He used to run professionally as yeah. well. Um, but now, you know, he stays in shape because there are times when I'm at practice and when he comes into town, I need him to push me through my pace. And so I tell him, I need you to take me through this 400 at this time. 
Let's go get it. Don't mm. let me beat you, you know? And so we literally race. And no, I cannot beat him. And I'm still sad about that. <laughs> uh, again, I want to go back to, uh, to, to your early days in East St. Louis. Um, if you had not met Jackie, mm-hmm. where do you think you'd be now? You know, if I would not have met Jackie, I wonder would it be different because I still had the same coach as her. And so I definitely still had a lot of the same encouragement. Now, from her being that young, when I heard it from her, the age 12, 13, that changed my focus right away. So I don't know, would my focus have been, you know, oh, I love track. But then when I turned, you know, 15 would have gotten serious. Um, I think er earlier on I would have tried other sports probably if she would not have maybe said that to me. And then, like you said, who knows what I, you know, what I've been the gymnast, you know, the Mm -hmm. Simone Biles. (laughs) Ooh, that's that's a pretty good example. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we wish you the very best, Dawn, in your future endeavor. And uh, hope you have a wonderful additional career beyond uh, running track. Absolutely. Thank Thank you you so much. Olympic gold medalist Dawn Harper Nelson. She's a featured speaker at the AHA Women's Speaker Series this Thursday at the Stiefel Theater downtown. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.